not Pastor Rebin's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these married couples. Thank you for a spiritual, physical, sexual, financial revival taking place in their relationship. I pray that they will receive the word that you have provided today. And most of all, as they receive it, they will believe it. They will accept it. And as they activate it, I thank you for supernatural things taking place in their lives. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, well, well. We are in our third week of our relationship series for the month of February. And for those of you who are viewing and for those of you who are visiting for the first time, we're separating our Sunday morning services where our 9 o'clock services have been for our married people and our 11 o'clock service is for our singles. And so if you're here this morning and you're single, uh, just stay in place. You'll learn something about being married and then stay for the second service. Amen. So we, we kicked off the marriage series by talking about stewarding our marriage. And then last week's message, which was sizzling, that's three words, sizzling. Last week's message was to start having sex. Now, if you did, listen, if you didn't get a chance to see it, just go back and watch it. It's hilarious. Uh, and so listen, although having sex should be expected of married couples, statistics show and real life experiences show that that's different. And so the point of the whole message was to bring truth and awareness to the subject so that married couples are more intentional in this area of their life. Can I get an amen for the married couples? Now, although my topic today is loving by faith, not by feelings, that's my topic, I want to close last week's message topic by doing two things, okay? The first thing I want to do is I want to give you 10 reasons why couples either stop having sex or become very inconsistent in the area. And then I want to do for the second thing is to explain the intimacy request cards that you should have in your hand. How many got one? If you got one, raise your hand. If you did not get one of these right here, raise your hands and our couples will bring you one. All right. Now, these are two individual cards. All right. One is for the man and one is for the woman. So uh, if you're the lady, raise your hand. If you're the man, raise your hand. They're going to give you two different cards. And I did that because if someone, if we did one card and, and it somehow got lost, <laughs> another card exists. All right. So let's start very quickly. I don't want to take a lot of time on it. Let's talk about 10 reasons why couples stop having sex. Here's reason number one, and it's due to lack of privacy. 
Some couples share homes with their relatives. It may even be their parents. And that can interfere with their love life. And in some cases, which is not good. Everybody say not good. It's not good because some of them have their children sleeping with them. So let me just go ahead and say this now. If you have kids in your bed, you cannot have a consistent sex life. As a matter of fact, we have some people up here at the front. As a matter of fact, if you have children in your bed, there's only one thing you need to do. Kick them out. Amen. And let me just say this. One of the reasons I'm covering this area is because most of us culturally were never even taught taught about sex or sexual things. It was a, it was a, a subject that was none said in, in, in the home. And then if we learned it, we learned it from the streets. And, and so it needs to, and then watch this. God's word is full of issues about it. Some of the greatest men in the Bible fail because of the reason why shouldn't we discuss it? Say amen to that. Here's a second reason why couples are not consistent or stop having sex is due to health reasons. Now, physical health problems, including chronic problems, whether it's surgeries, disabilities, hormonal changes, decrease in testosterone levels for men, and even, listen, church, even prescription medications, some of them affect your libido and your sexual functions. And if that's the case, you need to go and talk to your physician about how to get some help. Say amen to that. Here's a third reason, and that's mental health conditions. Uh, because, see, stress... And depression and anxiety, most people don't see that as a mental health condition, and it is. But those three areas can decrease the interest of a person's sexual life. The fourth one is relationship issues. Amen. Problems in a marriage such as unresolved conflicts, trust issues, financial problems, communication issues. These issues, if they're not resolved, can really diminish the, the, the desire for a couple to have sex. Here's number five, and that is consistent request rejection. And you say, well, pastor, what is that? Rejection is real. How many know rejection is real? It's real. So what happens when a person is rejected in the natural? Man, it can really do a number on your self-esteem if you don't have yourself together, right? Well, rejection is real, and just like it affects a person naturally, listen, church, it also affects a person sexually, especially for men. Now, I believe this can happen both ways, but I'm speaking from a perspective of a man, just in this one right here, because consistent no's from a spouse can lead to the decrease or the elimination of sex altogether. Because, see, listen, ladies, when a, a man interprets consistent no's, notice I'm saying consistent no's. A man interprets consistent no's as you don't care about him. Because you, well, you may not see it this way, ladies, but sex is a need for a man. It's not just a want. Just like you need air to breathe, you need food to eat, sex is a need for a man. Can I get an amen from the men? Amen. <laughs> I got an amen and a yeah. And see, if that's not understood by a woman... She will treat sex as an option and not a necessity. When there is mostly, listen, a one-sided initiation, and that initiation is rejected, 
then it can decrease the elimination of sex. And so sometimes what happens is there's a rejection on one or two parts consistently. And what happens, the other party gets disinterested because what they're experiencing is rejection. And no one likes rejection. Say amen to that. Let me get off of that one. Then we have, did y'all get that though? Yeah. So before you say no, remember how rejection feels. Here's the number six, a different sexual desire. And this is just when there are sexual uh, desires that are different or different levels for each person. And that can lead to frustration because one person may have a stronger drive than the other person. And if you don't discuss that and resolve it, it's going to lead to either decrease or elimination. Here's number seven. Uh, of why people stop having sex or it becomes inconsistent as couples is due to routine and boredom. Falling into a routine without some variation or excitement can lead to boredom, which can decrease desire and the interest of sex. Here's number, number eight, fatigue. This is real. Sometimes the demands of work and raising kids and running a business or running a home can be exhausting or exhausted. And so this leaves little room for sexual energy. And this is why you have to protect your energy. Why? Because this area of your life has to be prioritized. Say amen, church. Here's number uh, number nine. I'm almost finished. Like, thank God. Get off of that. It's sexual dysfunction. And that's when there are some physical issues uh, that affect a person. And if these issues are not addressed, then they can lead to not having sex. And then here's number 10, lack of sexual education. So what you don't want to, listen, what you don't know can't help you. I'm going to say that again. What you don't know can't help you. Being educated in this area doesn't always have to come from a professional. Sitting down and having a discussion with your spouse about what they like and what they don't like and what you like and what you don't like is very important. It will help your intimacy life. And a discussion on what you do will help each other have a better uh, intimacy life. And that's why I created this card. One of the reasons I, I created this card is so you all can use it uh, to discuss this area at home. Because, see, I know you're not used to talking about it. But I want you to talk about it because it can only get better if you talk about it. So I've issued two cards here. And the pink one is for the ladies. And the blue one is for the man. And, and basically, what, what, what we're going to do is you need to use this card to discuss the parameters for the card. That's up to you. So when y'all go home, now you have a reason to talk about it. Can't hide it. God, pass it. And let me tell you something. See, some of y'all be like, I don't think stuff like this should be talked about in church. Well, who going to tell you that you need to get busy? Who going to do it? Say it, say it, say it. And so I'm saying it. So I want you to take these home, set some time aside to talk about what this should look like, what you expect, what you want. And then here's my last tip. When, when y'all have had your whatever fun, whatever you want to call it, the next day, everybody say the next day. The next day, just casually ask your spouse, was everything okay last night? Just ask them. Now, don't take it personal 
if they tell you they, that something happened that they didn't like. What you need to understand is whatever they're telling you is to make the experience better the next time. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm through with that. Praise the Lord. Give me a hand clap. Give me a hand clap. <laughs> so let's take the remainder of time to discuss today's message, which is loving by faith, not by feelings. And the goal of the message is to show couples how to use their faith to love each other instead of only using their feelings to love each other. And upon being a born again, you know, when God... When we got saved, God gave us everything that we needed for salvation. The scripture says that he's given us all things that pertain to life, natural, and godliness, spiritual. He's given us those things. And one of the ways by which he gave us those things is that he made a deposit inside of us called the Holy Spirit. Amen. And when the Holy Spirit came on the inside of us, he brought a deposit of faith. And he gave it to every believer. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, they're going to put it on the screen. Paul said, for I say through the grace that's given to me to every man that is among uh, you, not to think of himself more highly than what he ought to think. But then he says, you need to think soberly because God has given, he has issued, he has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Listen to the NIV version. He says, for the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, touch your neighbor and say, he talking to you. He said, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in according with the faith, watch this, that God has distributed to each person. So God's given us faith, but he didn't just give us faith to say, give me, give me, my name is Jimmy. He didn't give us our faith to just get stuff. He gave us our faith to live by. The Bible tells us the just shall live by faith. Well, guess what? Listen, you can use that same faith to live an amazing married life. Say amen to that. Amen. And faith is a powerful thing because it allows us the ability to overcome life's most difficult issues and challenges. First John chapter five, verse four, one of my favorite verses in the Bible says, for whosoever or whatsoever is born of God, what do they do, church? They overcome what? They overcome the world. And then he tells us how that happens. He says, and this is the victory church that overcomes the world. It's your faith. So our faith allows us to overcome. So I don't care what difficulty you're facing right now in your relationship. God has put a deposit of faith on the inside of you. And if you will learn how to use that faith, which we're going to talk about briefly, if you will learn how to use it, that faith will help you overcome any challenge that's in your relationship right now. See, that's what I don't understand. Now, I do know and understand that there are reasons people get divorced. And some of those reasons are necessary. But then there are some reasons that are not necessary. People are just not willing to watch this overcome difficulty in the relationship, which you, what you don't realize is if you get married again, you're still going to have to overcome some difficult challenges. So the moment a married couple learns how to love from their faith, listen, church, instead of loving from just their feelings, their marriage will become stronger it will become stable, and ultimately their marriage will be more satisfying. Why? Because feelings fluctuate, but faith, when it's utilized, is consistent. 
So here's point number one, if you're taking notes or you're following this morning, loving by faith pleases God. When you and I, when we love by faith in our relationship, when we do that, it pleases God. Although love is a word that comes with actions, because see, most people associate love with feelings. But love, even though it, it can be associated with feelings, it comes with actions. It's often, often perceived as feelings, especially in a relationship. But contrary to popular belief, let me tell you something. It may take love to get married, but it's going to take faith to stay married. I'm going to rewind that one because that was good. I said it takes love to get married, but it's going to take faith to stay married. And faith is what pleases God. Hebrews eleven six says, for without faith, it is impossible, impossible to please God. For he who comes to God, they must believe that he is God and that he will reward those who will seek him. Now, I want you to notice what that verse didn't say. It didn't say without love, it is impossible to please God. That's why you have to love by faith. Why? Because faith pleases God. Amen. So when you and I, when we're in a, uh, in a marital relationship, it's not just enough to love. Because if love was just enough, people would stay married. You and I as believers, we have to love by faith. Why? Lo listen, feelings fluctuate. Love, uh, faith is, is consistent. So if we're going to please God in our relationship, we must love each other using our faith and not just our feelings. So here's the question. How do we love by faith? Here's point number two if you're taking notes. Your love grows as your faith grows. I'm going to say that again. Your love grows as your faith grows. Everybody say, my love will grow when my faith grows. See, what most people don't know is this. When their faith grows, their love is going to grow. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3 says this. Paul said, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, because it's proper or it's meat. Why? Because that your faith, what is it doing, church? It's growing. How? Exceedingly. And because their faith was growing exceedingly, he says now, and the charity, which translates love, and the love of every one of you all toward each other abounds. Now, I love the easy to read translation. It says this. We thank God for you always. And that's what we should do because you give us good reason to be thankful. He says, your faith is growing more and more. And because your faith is growing more and more, he says, and the love that every one of you has for each other is also growing. So listen, if your faith is growing, your love will grow. And so when I hear people say stuff like, well, uh, we're growing apart. No, you, you, your, your faith is not growing. That's why your love ain't growing. Oh, well, I, I, I love them, but I'm not in love with them. You know why? Because your faith is, is not growing. You cannot, if, if, if marriage is supernatural, if it's spiritual, and it is because it was invented by God, then how do you think you're going to live in a spiritual relationship with a carnal mindset? That's why the world, marriages don't work for them. Because the God who invented marriage, they're not connected with him. The unfortunate part is, here we are, we're believers, we have God's spirit on the inside of us. But if we keep a, mind, a carnal mindset, you know what's going to happen? We will, we're going to be just like the world. 
So he said, listen, if your faith grows, your love will grow. And listen, church, as your faith grows and you exercise it because you can have dead faith. Faith without works is what? Yeah, you can have dead faith. As your faith grows and you exercise it, listen, your capacity to love increases. It's just like having a car with no gas in it. The more gas you put in it, faith, the further your love can go. And see, what happens is most of us, we put some love in, we put some gas in, faith, you know, we're here a little bit. And then the car gets to where we're going. But if you need, if you have a 400-mile trip ahead of you and you only put 100 miles worth of gas in your car, you're going to have to do one or two things. You're going to either run out of gas or you're going to have to stop and get some. And that's what happened in relationships. You, you, look, you experience a challenge that exceeds your current marriage faith level. And instead of going to the faith filling station to get some gas, to put some fuel inside so you can learn and stay with this person, not just tolerate the person, but love the person, you got to put some faith in so your love can continue. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, it describes love as the greatest of three things. He says, it says in that verse, and now by these three, faith. Hope and love. But watch what he says. He said, but the greatest of these three is love or charity. But listen, church, just because love is greater doesn't mean that it functions alone without the need of something else. See, just because sugar may be a key ingredient in a cake doesn't mean you still don't need flour. Are you hearing me? So if we're going to please God with our marriages, it must be done using our faith. So here's the question, what is faith? Faith is believing that God's word is true, but it doesn't stop there. It also takes action, which activates the power of faith. Let me say it like this. Faith, remember the scripture says, faith without works is dead. You know, there's a scripture that says, they heard the word. Just like we do, it says, but the word that they heard didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith who heard it. So what does that mean? That means it's possible to hear the word, but if you don't mix it with faith, well, what's that part? That's the works part or the actions part. So if you hear something and you don't do nothing, all you did was believed. See, there are two sides. There's a, think of it like this. Faith is a two-sided coin. On one side, is believing. On the other side is action. And it is possible to just do one without the other. I can put a chair up here and say, hey, do you believe that that chair will hold you up? And you say, I do. It took no action on your part to say that. Believing takes no action. Believing is only accepting something to be true. But faith has another step. Faith says, I'm not just going to believe the chair is going to hold me up. I also am going to show that I believe that by sitting down in the chair. And so faith has that two-sided coin. Listen now to the easy-to-read translation of James chapter 2, verse 14. Because faith is believing that the word is true and then taking action which activates its power. He says, my brothers and sisters, if a person claims to have faith, but does not, but, but does what church? He says, if a person claims to have faith, but does nothing, that faith is worth nothing. 
That's why I'm pushing you to have faith in your relationship because if you're doing nothing in the relationship to make the relationship better, you don't have faith for your relationship. You, you say, well, pastor, I'm still here. Yeah, because you have tolerance for your relationship. And I don't know about you, but somebody tolerating you feels a whole lot different than somebody loving you. Amen. Faith like that cannot save anyone. He says, suppose a brother or sister in Christ comes to you in need of clothes or something to eat. And you say to them, God be with you. I hope you stay warm and get plenty to eat but you don't give them the things they need. If you don't help them, your words are worthless. Verse 17. Let me just put in here. You will lose confidence. Your spouse will lose confidence in you if you don't learn to keep your word. She don't believe in me, pastor. Well, you need to stop lying to her. See, we we judge on our intentions. But not on our actions. You didn't intend a lot. You you had an intention to go do what you told her you was going to do, but you didn't do it. So what is that called? It's a lie. You didn't lie intentionally, but you still lied. Amen. Okay, that was real rough, brothers. He says, it is the same with faith. If it is just faith and nothing more, It doesn't do anything. It is dead. But someone might argue, well, some people have faith and others have good works. My answer, he said, would be to them, you show me your faith if you don't do anything, but I will show you my faith by the good that I do. He says, you believe there is one God? He said, that's good. But even the demons believe that because it doesn't take action to believe, church. See, the Bible says just being able to believe, he says demons do that. See, some Christians just have demon faith. Look at your spouse and say, do you have demon faith? The demons believe. And they shake with fear. Faith is a two-sided coin. Listen now to James chapter 2 verse 20 in the easy to read version. This is so good. He says, you fool. (laughs) That's coming right at you, ain't it? Right at you. You fool. Faith that does, that does nothing is worth nothing. Now I'm switching over to the King James version in James chapter two, verse 26. It says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is what church is dead. So when you love with, listen, when you love with your feelings only, your actions in your marriage are going to fluctuate. The moment we allow our feelings to dictate how we operate in our relationship is the moment we drift in faith. Because faith is not controlled by how it feels. Have you ever read that scripture that says, well, we walk by faith and not by in other words, that saying is, when you walk by fight, you're, by sight, you're sense-driven. But when you're walking by faith, it doesn't need senses to operate. So here's a take-home statement I want to give you. The moment we allow our senses to lead us, let me start over. The moment we allow our senses to lead us, our flesh will eventually defeat us. 
And this is why a lot of marriages actions stop. Why? Because I don't feel like it. So let's look at some things quickly that we can do that we might be doing when you're loving by your feelings and not by your faith. Here are 10 things very quickly. I'm almost finished here. 10 signs that you may be loving by feelings and not by faith. Here's number one. When you communicate because you have, uh, because you have to, not because you want to. When you communicate because you have to, not because you want to. See, this is every time you come home, your wife or your husband has to ask you, hey, how was your day? Why don't you just volunteer that information? Okay. I'm going to run through this one real fast. I don't want to lose everybody. Here's number two. Ten signs that you may be loving by feelings and not by faith. When your touch is not much and their kiss you don't miss. Y'all don't even kiss no more. And you know, let me tell you something, fellas, a, a, a lady feels a certain type of way when all you touch them for is that. Can I get an amen from the women? They don't want you to just touch them when you want them. They want you to touch them just because you're touching them. Number three. <laughs> I didn't think this would be that hard, but it's, it's working out to be that way. Here's number three. When you no longer care about how you look because the details of your caring is overlooked. I don't feel like keeping myself up. Well, you kept yourself up to get him. What did you do? Catfish the man? And vice versa, brother. You used to smell good, look good, kept your hair cut, and now you look like she got you off the streets. Okay, this is supposed to be encouraging. <laughs> Here's number four. I got to keep going. I got to hurry up. When your desire to please, listen now, this is when you stop, when you start operating in feelings instead of love, this is what you do. When your desire to please has become a checklist to appease. Pick up groceries. Okay. Wash your car. Okay. Amen. Here's another one. When compliments given have ceased to exist or when they are given and it meets and it's met with resist. I'm going to say that again. This is what happens when you start loving by feelings. When compliments given have ceased to exist. In other words, you don't stop complimenting her or stop complimenting him. And ladies, let me tell you this. Compliment your man. If he looks good to you that day, tell him, baby, you look good. He going to be like, thank you. <laughs> When compliments given have ceased to exist or when they are given and it's met with resist. Ladies, when he tells you he looked good, it shouldn't matter how you feel. If he told you you look good, you need to believe that. Amen. Amen. Here's number seven, number six. When serving each other is a chore and being with each other is a bore. When you'd rather be with the boys, something's wrong. Amen. When you'd rather hang out with your girlfriend, something's wrong. I'm not saying something is wrong with that. Y'all know what I mean, right? Here's another one. When you care less about how each other feel and if feelings are shared, your attitude is, what's the big deal? So now they can't even share how they feel because when they do, you get in your feelings, Drake. 
She didn't even marry Drake, but you all in your feelings. Here's number eight. I'm losing y'all. Here we go. Let me look at the camera so they can see I'm talking to them too. All right. When, listen, here's what we do when we start loving by feelings. When the children's needs reign and your spouse's needs wane. Well, Pastor, I just feel like, I just feel like, uh, uh, see, listen, the kids' needs should never override your spouse's needs because that's how they got here. The only reason your kids are here is because of your spouse. So why are you letting their, the kids' needs override your spouse's needs? Here's number nine. When trust is breached and conflict resolution is never reached, you start loving by your feelings now. It's like, yeah. Because, see, if you don't resolve some stuff, when you, if you sweep it up under the rug, all you're going to have is a mountain in your carpet when I come to your house. Because you done swept it all under the rug. Here's number 10 as we close. This was, this was heavy. This is what happens when you start loving in your feelings and not by faith. When the silent treatment is high because your feelings you refuse to deny. Just look at your spouse and say, get over it. Why are you acting like a kid? Soaking. Why? Let me smile while I'm saying, why? Are you acting like a kid? When you can just get over it. You know, sometimes our kids are better than us when it comes to responding. So what should loving by faith in a marriage looks like? I'm going to tell you all of that in one take-home statement. Here it is. Loving by faith is when you act on what you believe is real instead of reacting on how things make you feel. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that. You said, see, this summarizes the message right here. How should a marriage that loves by faith look? Loving by faith is when you act on what you believe is real, which is God's word, instead of reacting on how things make you feel. As long as you react from the sense realm, you cease to respond in the faith realm. So how do we apply today's message? Number one, ask yourself, are your feelings ruling your relationship or are your feelings ruling how you respond in your relationship or is your faith ruling your relationship? Here's number two. Decide today. Everybody say today. Decide today to balance your feelings out with your faith. In other words, act on the word instead of acting up from their words. Pastor, I wouldn't act like this if they didn't say this. And do that. Well, maybe, maybe, just maybe, if you stop reacting from what they say and start responding from what God says, maybe it can change them. And let me tell you something what I've learned from knowing God's word and from real life. The Bible says that a low tone will shut down hollering. Now, that's my version. Yeah, but but if somebody's yelling and you still got your t- tone down, it's going to be hard for them to stop letting you. You say, well, Pastor, you don't know my spouse. Well, all you got to do is just say real, real calm, honey, honey, or uh, I don't know. Well, let's say, say honey means man and lady. You know, you call your honey, your husband honey, she, he call you honey. You, and, and they yell at you, just say, honey, can you bring your voice down? Because if not, I'm going to stop listening to you. 
simple as that. Decide today to balance your feelings out. Choose a biblical response. Here's the third thing. Keep the fuel of faith in your heart regarding your relationship. How do you keep that fuel? Listen to messages regarding relationships. Listen to Jimmy Evans who specializes in this or anybody who is going to teach faith-based material. Go back and listen. I started doing these messages for, for married people back in 2011. Go back and find the married series and listen to them. You say, well, Pastor, how do I find that? It's on our app. If you don't have our app, I don't know if it's downloadable right now, but it's the Word of Truth Family Church on the Google Play or Apple. I am advertising. I don't want y'all to see that right now. And under the, under the media, you will find. It won't be on YouTube because back then we were in school. It was hard to, to do cameras and stuff at a quality level. But you can go back and listen to all of the audio messages. I believe it'll keep your marriage tuned up. Amen. Amen. Did y'all get something today? Give the Lord a hand clap if you did. So, with every head bowed and every eye closed, there are some married couples in this room. You have been loving by feelings. And that's why you have been in a bout. I see somebody on a seesaw right now. I'm going to leave, I'll stay. I'm going to leave, I'll stay. I'm going to leave, I'll stay. Well, the reason you're on that seesaw is because you're functioning in the relationship by your feelings. It's time to make a decision to operate in your relationship by faith. And let me tell you something. The Bible says God will revenge our disobedience when your obedience is complete. God needs a partner in this relationship. A threefold cord is not easily broken, but God needs one of the other two cords to get in agreement with him. Why not it be you? And so if you're here today and you've been functioning in your feelings, it's time to make a change. It's time to function by faith now. And all it takes is a decision. And the beautiful thing about a decision is once you make one, the scripture says you will be able to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. In other words, Jesus will give you the strength to do what you decided to do. He just needs you to make the decision. I want to challenge you today to make the decision to operate in your relationship by faith and not just by you. I'm not telling you to throw your feelings away, but I am telling you to govern your relationship by faith. And don't let your feelings be the dominant thing that takes place unless your feelings are positive. There are some people here today, maybe you, you're not saved. Maybe somebody invited you and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Or here and you need to rededicate your life. In some cases, you may need to rededicate yourself to your relationship.